you know, this team was what, 11 and 21 uh, the last two seasons. Obviously, you're aware and all your listeners are aware that the Jaguars moved some very good football players, but they moved a lot of me guys. And, you know, it fractured the locker room. There was some conversation about how that was really affecting things. And they got rid of good players, but they got rid of what they would term as selfish players or not great teammates. So, you know, now you're looking at a, a new club. It's unbelievable. You've got 21 of your 53 on your roster right now are rookies or second-year guys, and that includes Gardner Minshew. This is a very young team. There's not much ego involved. Patrick Ballou, sideline reporter for 1010XL in Jacksonville. He's very closely connected to the Jacksonville Jaguars and was in attendance for that opening day win against the Indianapolis Colts. The Jaguars surprised many and were one of the headline stories coming out of week one. Second-year quarterback Gardner Minshew with a near-perfect game. It's a very young roster. So what's the ceiling for the Jaguars in 2020? With seven seeds now in the playoffs, can they make a push for the postseason? We'll discuss. I'm Anthony Woodson, and this is the Transatlantic Sports Show. Hey, Rick. How's it going, Anthony? How are things over there? Things are going mighty fine over here. We've got Florida-type weather at the minute. Here we are, mid-September, heading towards the tail end of the month, and it's all good, man. Even better now that we've got football. Although, a real shame that you guys and the Jags, you're not coming over this year. We would have had you twice. Yeah, it was supposed to be a 10-day trip, two games. Uh, We were really looking forward to it, but, you know, we kind of got the word on that real early once the pandemic hit. Uh, You know, obviously, the announcement to London was canceled, and you know, it's a whole new world. Uh, me as a sideline reporter, I'm not even on the sideline. I'm in the front row of the stands. And when you watch the games, you'll see that, you know, there's no cheerleaders. There's no mascot. There's usually a lot of photographers and other members of the media not allowed on the sideline. And that also includes us as part of the radio broadcast team. We're not going on the road. We're not on the team charter. We'll actually be doing the games on radio by watching the television monitor back here in Jacksonville. So, It's a whole new world. Let's hope it's only temporary and we're back there in London next year. Yeah, get out, man. So sideline reporter, but not on the sideline. And when they're on the road, you're not anywhere near the team. It must be difficult for you. Did you have to have coaching or training before the season on that? Yeah, you know, it's going to be all new. Um, I, you know, I'm always in contact. I I can't officially report an injury. I I can always state what I see. Mm. You know, Josh Allen goes down with cramps uh, in you know, the first game of the year. And, you know, I can certainly report that and talk about it. Or when C.J. Henderson left, it looked like he had his bell rung and then it ended up being an evaluation for a concussion. So I can always uh, take a look at what's going on and, and report that. But as far as the official word from the Jaguars, that comes from their PR staff. And I'm going to remain in contact uh, with Alec Brooks, who heads that up on the field. So once they get official word to an injury, or something along those lines, uh, he'll immediately contact me and I'll be able to report that. But yeah, I, I imagine there could be a growing pain or two as, as this is going to be new for all of us. Sure, yeah, the whole world right now, isn't it? We're just we're, we're going through this teething process. But like you said, hopefully it's not going to be for 
too long into the future and we can get through it and then we can have you guys and the Jags back over here in London in 2021. Did, did, did you hear any whispers of what the, the two games were going to be over here this year? Because we've not heard anything. No, I never did. I, you know, we were told that there were two games that we knew would definitely be played here. One was Chicago and one was Pittsburgh. I, I wasn't aware of of who it could have been, um, you know, if it would have been a divisional opponent once again, or if it could have possibly been, um, you know, a non-divisional team. Never heard that. Um, you know, I, I guess by the time the schedule was announced and then, you know, the pandemic hit, mm. um, we just never really had time to do much digging. So, honestly, I never heard what teams. Okay, well, hopefully we'll get two games in 2021, but we're even more thankful that at least we've got football happening this year and there was a week one filled with storylines and there are some strong storylines from your division the AFC South and and your opponents the Tennessee Titans we'll talk about those in a little bit because we'll look ahead to week two but first off the Jacksonville Jaguars grabbing the headlines with a surprise one I guess surprising for people outside of Jacksonville maybe you guys closer to the camp were expecting a performance like that but certainly it was one of the standout performances of week one and then up in the headlines is Gardner Minshew with a near perfect game yeah we just heard moments ago from offense coordinator Jay Gruden he referred to the only incomplete pass as a drop by rookie LaVisca Chenault who I thought was phenomenal mm. I mean they lined him up all over put him in the backfield he ran the wildcat uh caught a great uh 18 yard pass where Minshew rolled out to his right that was really one of the problems that Minshew had as a rookie. He was not good when he was flushed out of the pocket. And in that particular situation, he went to his right, made a perfect throw, and then, of course, also the touchdown pass. So, yeah, it was a very efficient game for Gardner Minshew. Uh, he took what the defense gave him. I was hoping for a little bit more as far as the deep ball. We had seen an awful lot of that during training camp. And, hey, listen, they won the game. Um, th- there's no reason for uh, any complaints. But – you know, I think what you saw on Sunday was impressive, but I'm expecting much more. And it may be as early as this weekend in Nashville. I expect him to throw to Chris Thompson much more out of the backfield. Uh, only two complete passes to the tight ends on Sunday. We've heard all off season that, you know, this is finally going to be the year where Tyler Eifert and James O'Shaughnessy get a little bit more involved. And then, as I mentioned, the deep ball. So a very impressive first outing for Gardner Minshew in this offense, but I I have to believe that that's not going to be the game plan each and every Sunday. They are going to absolutely add some more wrinkles. Yeah, sure, and you're saying there about the the, the deep ball. He was 19 of 20 pass attempts, which is 95% completion. It was only for 173 yards, but still the fact that he completed 19 of 20 pass attempts, he got the three touchdowns and zero interceptions, of course, and with that, he's now the fourth quarterback in NFL history with a completion percentage of 95 or higher with a minimum of 20 attempts in a single game. So he's joining the likes of Drew Brees, Philip Rivers, Marcus Mariota in that list, which is pretty good going for a guy who's just in his second year. Right. It was only his 13th start. I mean, it's real impressive. And he didn't turn the football over. I mean, you look at the numbers in the game, you know, Jacksonville allowed almost 450 yards. They only ran twenty. They only ran forty-three plays on offense. If you look at what twenty-three rushes, twenty passes. All right, they did complete um, or make both field goals, and they had three punts. But 
I mean, they were out uh, as far as the time of possession. Um, you know, Tennessee, uh, excuse me, Indianapolis had the ball for eight more minutes uh, than Jacksonville. And, and again, they had less than 250 yards. So this became a game of field position. And Jacksonville took advantage of those two huge Phillip Rivers interceptions. They also forced the ball over twice on downs where Indianapolis went for it on fourth and goal and the Jaguars shut them down both on third and fourth down. Then in that final drive where they blitzed a couple of times and turned the ball over. So, you know, that won't register on the stat sheet, Anthony, as a turnover. Mm. You'll look at the two picks, but in, in my opinion, that's really four turnovers in the game. And even the missed field goal by the rookie Blankenship, that you can make the case that that's five turnovers that the Colts had. Yeah. And that was without any question the difference in this football game on Sunday. Dude, yeah. And what do you think the ceiling is with Gardner Minshew? You are, you know, Rip Blue, you're the sideline reporter for 1010XL there in Jacksonville. You're very close to the team. You've watched training camp and everything, and you've obviously seen Gardner Minshew grow as this quarterback what do you think his ceiling is well I mean it's his team and I think the team around him believes in him I mean there was around here the last couple of years where you know this team was what 11 and 21 uh, the last two seasons Um, obviously you're aware and all your listeners are aware that the Jaguars moved some very good football players but they moved a lot of me guys and you know, it fractured the locker room. Um, there was some conversation about how uh, that was really affecting things. And, you know, they, they got rid of good players, but they got rid of what they would term as selfish players or not great teammates. So, you know, now you're looking at a, a new club. Um, it's unbelievable. You've got uh, 21 of your 53 roster, uh, on your roster right now are, are rookies or second-year guys. And that includes Gardner Minshew. This is a very young team. There's not much ego involved. Uh, you know, four more undrafted free agents on the club this year, including James Robinson, oh, who had yeah. a, uh, a very impressive uh, first game. And they're looking for leaders. And, you know, you're starting to see that now with, with Gardner Minshew on the offense. And, you know, you, you're seeing guys like Josh Allen really rise on defense and a tremendous performance out of C.J. Henderson in his first game as a rookie on Sunday. So, you know, as great as Jalen Ramsey and Leonard Fournette and Yannick Ngakwe, you know, I thought Ronnie Harrison wasn't as good, but, you know, he was kind of part of that clique. They've said goodbye to those guys. They've acquired a lot of draft picks, and this is a new-look team that is supposed to be in a rebuild, but certainly they came out and, and won a big football game this past Sunday. Yeah, it doesn't help, does it, when earlier in the year you've got one of your star guys on the defensive line there falling out with Tony Khan on social media and just you know letting out publicly like that. But like you said, they've, they've now moved on, and this team looks like they've hit the ground running, and the sky's the limit. You're coming up against another divisional foe this weekend in the Tennessee Titans. So you've you've won against the Indianapolis Colts. You've got the Titans coming up. As I just said, we saw what happened on Monday Night Football. I guess just see if you can keep them within field goal range and let the kicker have a go. Yeah. I mean, some believe he's a Hall of Famer in Goskowski. <laughs> you know, he missed, uh, he missed three field goals. He missed a, a point after. But, you know, when it was all said and done... Um, you know, they were able to uh, hang on and, and, and win that game or actually get the late field goal. It'd be very interesting. I mean, Derek Henry, who was born and raised right down the road uh, from here, 
uh, 34 touches in that game on Monday night, 31 carries, three receptions, and they were tough yards, physical yards. Um, I think he took some serious shots. As always, he gave uh, some serious shots. So he's a tough guy. I mean, he is a man. But I got to wonder if he is, you know, possibly coming into this game um, sore and it's a short week. Uh, That's the bread and butter for Tennessee. Uh, Jacksonville hasn't won there in their last six trips. So this is a big game to try to break that trend. But that's exactly what Tennessee is going to try to do. That has run Derrick Henry once again right down the Jaguars' throat. Yeah, they've certainly got a history against Derrick Henry, haven't they? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, he's he's embarrassed them at times, and he's done some really good things. And, you know, that's the primary blueprint there for the Jaguars defensively. Try to find a way to slow him down. Now, listen, Ryan Tannehill's got some great weapons, but I think they'll take their chances there with the passing game if they're able to defend Derrick Henry. Yeah, well, and this Jaguars offense you've mentioned earlier about james robinson who is an undrafted free agent he's certainly become a fantasy darling we've got our fancy football show coming up later in the week as well but he is certainly somebody that a lot of people have been picking up on waiver wires this week but i guess for somebody like you who had seen him develop throughout training camp not much of a surprise no, he, he isn't. And as a matter of fact, a few weeks ago, if you look at my timestamp, I, I know we follow each other on Twitter. Mm. I put it out, uh, I think it was the last day of August, or it might have been like September 1st. It was right around the Fournette release. And I was like, look for James Robinson to have the majority of the carries against Indianapolis. And I was destroyed. People are like, what? James <laughs> Robinson? W- what are you talking about? And I, I'm like, I have watched this guy in practice. The first thing I noticed about him was his blitz pickup. He was by far the best running back on the team, and that included Leonard Fournette when it came to pass protecting Gardner Minshew. And, you know, this West Coast offense that Jay Gruden has, as we saw on Sunday, it's there for Minshew to get rid of the ball quickly and spread it around. I mean, 11 different uh, guys caught balls from Minshew. Then you look at him run and, and what he was able to do as far as running between the tackles. Great vision, doesn't hesitate, uh, he really is not patient. He runs north and south and picks up, um, you know, yardage right out of the gate. Um, he has the ability to make people miss. The only thing that I was concerned about was we didn't see live tackling in camp. And, you know, this guy played at Illinois State, which obviously is not Division One. It's not a Power Five school. So he wasn't taking on solid competition week in week out then all of a sudden you get to the nfl and it's a totally new deal for this rookie i wanted to see how he could handle tackles could he break tackles and he proved it now indianapolis did a nice job in the second half they stacked the box they said gardner Minshew in the passing game you're gonna have to beat us we're gonna put an extra man there on the line of scrimmage and take away the run so they were able to do that against james robinson I think he had five carries for zero yards after going for 62 yards in the first half. But again, the Jaguars got it done passing, including that great 28-yarder to Robinson when he leaped over a defender. Fantastic stuff, yeah. And you know, let's look at the the weapons that Gardner Minshew's got at his disposal. Levitschka Chenault, who looks like a fantastic prospect. You've got DJ Chark, and then you still got D.D. Westbrook, who was working his way back, who's a healthy scratch uh, in week one. I know this week uh, Doug Marone has said that uh, he's working his way back. They're easing him in, but 
you, you look then they've got a great receiving core well they really do and yeah you're you're spot on with Marone it's not as if Didi did anything wrong he was just went out with the shoulder and he missed a lot of time and you know the wide receiver core is the best position group on this football team really since camp began um Keelan Cole in my opinion has been their second best wide receiver Obviously, DJ Chark uh, is in a class by himself. But, you know, Cole played well again on Sunday, had a touchdown. And then you look at the draft picks. We already discussed Chenault, who can do anything. Plus, he's not afraid to go over the middle. Mm. He's not afraid to go right into that linebacker uh, zone and catch the ball. He's a tough guy who who almost loves contact. And then you got the six foot six rookie wide receiver in Colin Johnson, which is a totally new style of weapon that the Jaguars have not had around here forever. And, you know, he came up and had a huge reception on a third down at five. And he doesn't get a lot of separation from defensive backs, but with his, you know, with his physical uh, tools and his, you know, being six foot six. He has the ability uh, to go up and, and grab the ball, high point the ball, and, and Minshew has really worked with him throughout camp. So, you know, all of a sudden that's become a real good weapon. And still have the veteran and uh, and Chris Conley, who's a very durable player and, and someone that, that Minshew is a, a, a big fan of. You know, again, let's hope they run more than 43 offensive plays. Uh, against Indianapolis, if that's the case, then obviously you'll see these guys get much more involved as we uh, move throughout the course of the season. We saw in that week one game against the Colts that the Jags was one of less than a handful of teams that had fans in the stands. How are things there at the moment? We've seen the, the scares and the spikes in your state there in Florida, but how did it go? How did it pan with the fans in the stands, how did it work? You know, I thought it went really well. Uh, they had around 14,100 uh, in attendance, and they were spread out. Um, you know, the social distancing was certainly uh, taking effect. And, you know, I watched a lot of college football on Saturday, including my alma mater, Florida State, where every time they showed them on TV, it seemed like the student body and a lot of people weren't wearing masks exact opposite thing I thought happened here on on Sunday where you know every time you, they showed uh, people in the in the stands they were wearing masks um, it, it was announced a few times you know during breaks with the PA that it, please wear your mask and you know the message was sent that if you want to continue to go to the games you've got to follow the rules sure. you've got to stay away from one another and you've got to wear the mask so I think the report uh you know, based on everything that I heard and, and now understand from Sunday is it went really well here uh, in town. And, you know, now all of a sudden you go to Tennessee on Sunday, they're not going to have fans there in Nashville. So that's going to be a totally different look. And then, uh, you know, a week from Thursday, uh, Miami comes here and there will be fans in that particular game here in Jacksonville. Uh, with the Dolphins. So, yeah, right now it worked. And I tell you what, those who came made a lot of noise. And it was it was a totally different deal than I've ever experienced before. But, you know, obviously it worked out well for the Jaguars. It's fantastic. But I'm sure they had to stay out the pool, yeah? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I didn't see anything. They had the cheerleaders up there. And, 
you know, I, you know, Anthony, I'm so focused on the game. Yeah. I, I don't even notice the uh, the swimming pools. But uh, I I saw a video where Jacksonville took a belly flop in there after the game. But I honestly didn't even notice while the game was going on. <laughs> You're so focused on the game. Another game that you are focused on is your golf game, man. And following you on social media, he is at Baloo. 1010XL, by the way. He is the sideline reporter for the Jacksonville Jaguars at 1010XL in Jacksonville. But also, Rick Ballou here is quite the golfer. And, you know, I, 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 get, I get very jealous seeing your, your golfing, uh, where you go and where you play your golf. And you've played a few rounds at Sawgrass, my man. How's, uh, how's the game going? Uh, the game always needs some work. Of course. Um, yes, no doubt about that. Uh, you know, it seems like when I fix one thing, something else goes. Uh, recently, I've had a lot of a lot of problems off the tee, uh, but the short game's working rather well. It's just great. I mean, we're really blessed here in North Florida. There's about 30 golf courses, you know, right in a 30-mile uh, radius. And then when you add in St. Augustine and, and Palm Coast and Amelia Island, uh, you're closer to 50, but yeah, Sawgrass. Uh, I'm trying to remember the last time I played out there. It was probably well, it was right before the pandemic. Wow, uh, when I had an opportunity uh, to get out there and uh, and play. So yeah, things have obviously quieted down uh, a little bit. As a matter of fact, I played nine holes uh, during it. They allowed us to go out because I I know someone who's uh, highly involved when it comes to running the course, but. Uh, once again, we got hit by the rain. I, I've never seen it rain the way it has here in in Jacksonville. You know, the last six months, it's it, it's raining right now uh, as we talk. So, yep, always a lot of fun. Love it, and uh, you know what a great week it's going to be because, of course, the United States Open uh, begins on Thursday at a Wingfoot, which is one of the more difficult golf courses in America. You know, it's kind of weird to have a major during football season, but we're going to get a couple of them with that and then the Masters in November. So really looking forward to this weekend, including, you know, really for me, it begins on Thursday uh, with the United States Open. It's going to be a blast. Fantastic stuff. It's going to be a blast. The AFC South showdown between the Jacksonville Jaguars and Tennessee Titans. Rick Ballou, sideline reporter for 1010XL in Jacksonville. Thank you so much for your time. Always great to chat to you, man. Good to talk with you, Anthony. We'll do it again soon. All right. My thanks again to Rick Ballou. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at Ballou1010XL for his golf prowess more than anything. But seriously, especially if you're a Jags UK fan, you want to follow him because he is the sideline reporter. So he gets all the news. He's at the training camps and you get all you need to know about the Jacksonville Jaguars. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back again real soon with our fantasy football podcast looking ahead to week two. Our man, Andrew Jordan from Pro Football Network will be here and he's going to help you with that waiver wire. So fear not, if some of your players have hit the injured reserve or your week one didn't go as planned, he can help you. And he has nailed the waiver wire so many times. So stick around and make sure you subscribe to the Transatlantic Sports Show because then you're not going to miss it. You can also follow us on Twitter at T-A-S-S underscore UK and on Instagram, that is T-A-S-S underscore UK. I am on Twitter at A-R Wotton, W-O-O-T-T-O-N. Enjoy week two of football. If you're a Jags UK fan, good luck against the Titans. Good luck to whoever your team is, unless they're playing my 49ers. I'll be back next time. Until then... (laughs) 